0: Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. So I guess right at the top we need to talk about the fact that this is for us kind of a groundhog day situation because <laughs> we did have to record this episode with our with our guest twice.
1: Yes, yeah, so we we had one fateful event where we were like we got it, we nailed it. It was a great conversation and then one audio track was missing and we completely basically had it completely gone uh, and we had to do the whole thing again. But I think it's still I think it still worked. I feel like that's like very like concerning. It's like, "Oh no, is this going to <laughs> no, it's a good episode, guys. You'll enjoy it. Uh and and we had on Paloma, she's done some cool comic stuff. She's also uh looking into like getting into publishing, so she has like a really cool perspective on literary stuff, and it was only fitting that she brought a topic that was related in nature, which was the basically the entire work
0: of Tamara Pierce.
1: Uh, but we kind of specifically talk about uh two series that she's written throughout her career.
0: Yeah, and this is really our, our first conversation conversation. conversation. Well, we're going to count the previous conversation with the same person as a dress rehearsal for this one. But um, (laughs) otherwise, our first conversation about fantasy kind of as a genre, like we've, we've sort of circled close to talking about fantasy, but we haven't really, which I thought was a it was interesting that it took this long. But it was a good and important conversation, I think, especially now as fantasy is starting to better reflect the kinds of people who read it. And the kinds of people who would like to be successful writing it, as opposed to the kinds of people who have been in the past. So I think I think we covered some some interesting ground about how you walk the line between writing fantasy that's socially conscious and aspirational, but is also still escapist. Because I don't think that those two things are are mutually exclusive. I think you can build worlds that are places that you think are better than the real world, and that that can motivate you to have positive change. And you can also use fantasy as like a foil for things that happen in the real world
1: yeah absolutely and and to kind of part the curtain a little bit as i was editing we we sort of touched on both of those points in our conversation and Mm -hmm. i sort of had that initial worry of it does this sound contradictory like are we proving are we are we sort of hedging our bets on one point of this is what fantasy should do and this is what fantasy should do successfully and then saying oh but maybe you know but also it's great to have aspirational fantasy and much like most things both of those things can be true at the same time within the genre and and within different applications of it. It's a very nuanced topic uh, because, I mean, fantasy is a huge genre and and the way that Tamara Pierce especially approaches it um, is a very certain way and other people are going to approach it a different way. And and obviously she approaches it differently within the scope of her own work as well.
0: Yeah, which I think is uh, another interesting part of the conversation was when you talk about somebody's work as a whole instead of just talking about a particular series that somebody liked, then you get some perspective on the things that grew and changed over time and their viewpoints and the way that they tell stories, which I think is, is, even if you have never read these books, which I personally have not, I think it's a really valuable perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so without further ado, instead of l- listening to us talk about the conversation you're about to hear, let's just go <laughs> to the conversation that you're about to hear. so let's let's just this is like you know this will be like extra chill and extra casual because it's like you know we've done this conversation
2: already we know each other
1: thank you for the second time to spend this time with us and talk with us the the first our first recording has been lost into the void it has been stolen by podcast wyverns (laughs) Uh, so we shall speak of it no more but thank you again for coming on
2: hi it's great to be back
0: (laughs) You're the first guest who gets to say that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm your first uh, repeat offender, I guess. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so if you just want to introduce yourself, uh, talk a little bit about what you do, and then introduce what you brought to talk about today.
2: Okay, so hello, I am Paloma. I mostly work in, well, I aspire to work in comics, and I also work in, like, indie comics. I uh, kind of started making my own comics, and now I'm kind of going more into the publishing world. But right now I'm working at a bookstore so I'm kind of refreshing a lot of my old loves of uh, series that I was really in love with when I was uh, younger and also kind of you know in middle and high school and so when Emily came to me and was like what's something that you love to talk about but you never really get enough chances to talk about I immediately was like oh Tamara Pierce books (laughs) and I am here to talk about her um, long and prolific uh, line of books
1: (laughs) so i'm a little bit familiar i've i've definitely read her work like at a at a beautiful pivotal moment of my life like becoming like a like a middle schooler was when i first like stumbled into her work but for maybe like those who might not be familiar with her work maybe like you don't have to give like a huge sprawling summary of everything she's done because we'll get into it probably but, but like
2: <laughs> oh we will just like
1: a brief <laughs> summary of her work and her books and and that's so, like people could get a vibe
2: so Tamara pierce is a predominantly ya and teen uh fantasy writer. She started writing books in the 1980s. That's when she started her first series. All of her books take place within um, one of two different universes that she's created. And she's really notable because when she first started and even throughout her entire career, all of her books, almost all of her books have had uh, female main characters and female point of view, which especially for the fantasy genre and especially for the 1980s and 90s and even 2000s, you know that that was really unique
1: yeah so when were you first introduced to her work
2: oh way too young (laughs) so (laughs) i i started reading with her first book that she ever published so her first series is called alana and it's about this girl who it's kind of in like this you know basic european fantasy world and she wants to be a knight however girls are not allowed to be knights so she disguises as a boy And decides to enroll and become a page and then a squire. And then eventually she becomes a knight. And I read the first one. I think I was seven or eight years old when i read the first one i was a pretty uh intense reader when i was younger so i was like totally i was like yeah i can read this i can read this it's fine um and i actually like as she's going through the books like the books start when she's 11 years old and they go up actually they go up like well into her adulthood uh like past 18 but especially like the first and second books another thing about Tamara pierce is that she really doesn't shy away from talking about things like puberty and getting your period and like falling in love with people and wanting to have sex with them. Like uh which was you know for like eight-year-old me I was like holy shit oh my god like, her and John are they having sex oh my god they're having sex I don't even know what that is yet like um it's like so like I always say like Tamara Pierce was my Judy Bloom uh because I literally found out what a period was through like the Alana books which is very funny because when she first gets it like nobody taught her what a period was she's like oh my god I'm this was when she was still disguising as a boy so she's like I'm bleeding and I don't know what to do and like her friend her like manservant who's like her one ally who knows she's a girl it's like uh I don't know how to deal with this we're gonna go get you like a woman who knows how to deal with this <laughs> and I also as the reader was like what is happening did she get hurt like <laughs> why is there all this blood everywhere <laughs> but yeah so that's kind of my experience starting with reading her and then I just went on to consume literally every book I I think I've read almost every book that she's ever written
0: especially since you were so young when you started reading her do you remember like what it was that made you finish the first book and then think oh man I gotta get more of this like was there something specific about her stories that that really you found relatable or interesting
2: honestly they were just like really good fantasy so like, this is something that I think is really important is that it's important to have representation. It's important to have strong female main characters, but also people that want to see themselves represented in stories like deserve a good book. Like, It shouldn't just like, just be that like, and she never tried to make that the main course of each book was just like, she's like, I'm a girl and I'm gonna do this like a girl does it like that was yeah. it, throughout all of her books. That's never been the main thing that she tries to pitch the book on. She doesn't shy away from feminism, if anything. Like, it turned me into the angry feminist that I am today. Because she she would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's pretending to be a boy. And then when she's eventually revealed to be a girl, she's like, at that point, she's like, it's like right after she becomes a knight. It's like at the end of the second book. Spoilers for a 20-year-old series. Like, literally, the king is like, I can't take away your knighthood. Also, you just saved, like, my entire family by killing my son's uncle or whatever, like my evil brother so I can't really like unnighthood you because that would be a really big dick move but it's like after she comes out as a woman and everybody kind of realizes that it's like she has to deal with so much shit and she also had to deal with a lot of shit when she was like pretending to be a boy and like because even when she was like a boy people were like oh it's like she's like really short is like a part of her character mm-hmm. is just that she as a person is like a very short small person so they would always like they called her the lioness but they'd be like no she's tiny but she's has <laughs> such a temper and she's super stubborn and she's like a huge asshole like even in later books when it's like in the same universe but it's different characters there's all these times where people like meet alana and they'll be like oh she's a lot shorter than i thought she'd be and then someone's <laughs> like no 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 no. wait until she opens her mouth then you will see that she could get very angry and very intense what kind of pulled me into it was just that it was just legitimately very good fantasy uh good world building and also the First series, I'll say like going back and reading it, the writing's definitely a lot weaker, but mostly because I see how she like corrects herself in later series. Where I'm like, oh, the way that you're telling an entire year within one book, you're kind of like summarizing a lot of it. You're you're telling, not showing, uh to use writing parlance. But then there's another series in the Tortle universe where it's basically this thing, like Alana was like, Oh, I'm a girl, and so after that the king was like, Well, I guess girls can be knights now. sure but of course like because it was still the system itself was built to be very unwelcoming to women i think it's like for five years or for 10 years nobody no girl enrolls in the page program because there's like other ways for women to fight there's like this thing called the queen's riders where like they can just join that when they're 18 but if you actually want to go through knighthood you have to go through the same program that all the boys do and then the third series is about basically the first girl that goes through it as a girl she's not hiding anything she's not trying to be anyone but herself. And I when I was little, that was like my favorite of the all the series, um, at least in the Turtle universe. And also, like, I could tell, I was like, oh, instead of like summarizing, like, oh, and then Midsummer happened, and then we went, you know, all these exams happened, and then we went to school again. Uh, because I think, yeah, no, actually, no, she's not summaring one, she's not summarizing one year in a book. She's summarizing four years in a book. She has to like hurry up through a lot of stuff. But in like the third series, the protect of the small is what it's called she gets a lot better at like showing specific moments between cal the main character and her friends and showing weights as she grows and i'm like literally i could like draw lines in between the two series where i'm like she got better at writing (laughs) (laughs) like which of course you do like after writing like 10 something books you're gonna get better at writing i feel like i just went on like the biggest friend (laughs) no
0: i mean i honestly and and i think uh i think i can understand why that would be particularly appealing to a a young girl because that's a really relatable concept that you can change at some point you know you you try to change the rules but even once you change the rules you still have to change the culture around some of these ideas which is something that a lot of marginalized people have come up against that it's not as simple as you know like one person succeeds and then hurrah we're done (laughs) that there's a lot more a lot more work to it than that and that's always interesting when you hear about something like that in a, a fantasy series that's i mean true to life isn't completely fair because I think a lot of fantasy has things that are are very human and very relatable. It's not like it's something they can't do. But that is certainly uh, seems exceptionally real to me.
2: Yeah, I will say it also like taught me a lot of things that I found really helpful later in life. Like I've been privileged to mostly go through spaces where I either am welcome or I'm welcome to be really assertive. Like I mostly lived in liberal spaces. And um, like I went to art school and stuff. So I, I've i never felt like I've had to completely work within a system that's going against everything that I'm about but it's like even in like small moments it it, it is a really important lesson I think to learn also as someone who wants to instigate change that you know it's not a one shot process you know like oh now we're okay with women suddenly misogyny is struck from the entire nation where it's like misogyny is still really real and if anything I think in the, the Protector of the Small series where technically she's allowed you see like way crueler actions and she Mm -hmm. has to put up with so much more shit because she's a girl. And I remember like one moment that really struck me was at the very beginning. So like the first book, it's already starts with an injustice because the guy who's running the program is like, I just don't believe a girl can do it. I didn't agree when we let Alana become a knight. I didn't agree when we let women become knights. I think that it's dangerous for women. Like he's like, I think it's dangerous for the women to be in this program. Mm -hmm. So he was like, well, I'm gonna make you do an extra year. It's basically a test. Like you have to do a test year a whole year and she was like holy shit this sucks and like her parents were like if you don't want to do this that's okay and this was what like the books open on um but she's like you know what no i want to be a knight and i want to do this so i'm gonna like me as like a plucky like 11 year old is gonna do this provisional year that no none of the other boys have to do and eat shit and like get ridiculously bullied and every single point in her education she has to do like five times as much work as everyone else Partly because she's constantly being bullied and partly because none of the teachers take her seriously. But like she decides like the first night she's like, you know what? I'm not going to let them forget I'm a girl. When we go down for dinner, I'm going to dress out of my clothes, like put on a dress and I am going to go down in a wearing a dress. Every single evening she wears a dress to dinner because she's like, I don't want anyone to forget I'm a girl. Like I don't want to pretend I'm something I'm not. And I like reading that as like a little kid, you're like, wow, yeah, like even though Everyone's telling you what you're, what you are is wrong and that you don't belong there. Fighting so hard to just be like, no, fuck this. I belong here. (laughs) Like, and then it's really exciting in like the second two books when you see that all pay off. She's better than anyone else at like the stuff that she does. She has these super strong strengths. You like find out, like there's kind of notes of it in the beginning books, but especially in the second two, you're like, oh, she's like a natural-born commander. She's not just a knight, she's not like a solitary knight. She knows how to like work on a team and like find other strengths and be really like what's it called like creative with how to fight in wars and fight in battles and protect people and like the entire last book she's like the head of like a refugee camp and it's like one of my favorite books that uh Tamara pierce has ever run is like the fourth book of the protector of the small series because you see all these things that she's been like having to work against and having to push against like actually pay off and you feel really satisfied for her <laughs> you're like yeah you do deserve this Kel. Like, <laughs> well
1: and i think there's also some something really like important about being able to talk about those kinds of struggles that can be very real in a framing of high fantasy because you can really communicate something where you might not be able to reach the Not the right audience, but I think there's something about it having that kind of like, and also knights and, you know, fantasy and magic. It gives it a little more oomph somehow.
2: Yeah, definitely. I heard something like the important thing about speculative fiction is that it lets people see real life emotions and themes play out in a way that they're not expecting it. And a lot of times it can be more impactful. Because there's definitely fantasy where it's like, I can't relate to this. This guy's like talking about his duty to his kingdom. And I'm like, I don't have a duty to my kingdom. Like, what the hell am I supposed to do? But it's like, but if you have like something where you're like, oh, my duty to my parents and my relationship with my parents, then it's like, ooh, maybe then. There's like a nugget of something that you can relate to and that readers can really hook onto, While also being like super entertaining and having this... I think there's also a lot of skill involved in building a believable world and having every part of that world kind of play against your characters in this really interesting sandbox. I think that's also a really big testament to skill. If there's like maybe a not as good fantasy writer and not everything in the world, like reacts to each other like realistically then i think that's when something falls apart
0: yeah like the parts have to interact well you can't just have just this sort of fantasy side of the story or just the message or anything else all those elements have to have to work together really well or you're not receptive to any of them and you don't connect with the story i think
2: yeah i think like i i'm totally gonna just like shit on (laughs) song of ice and fire because that's the (laughs) that's like the, the probably one of the other like sprawling fantasy worlds that i've read everything published I I didn't watch all the show but I read all five books um that I think in some ways does a good job of being a fantasy in other ways does a really bad, bad job of being a fantasy where like you see these other countries and it's literally they're literally just stepping stones for the characters to go through like book four and five actually maybe just five uh i don't remember the timeline but like daenerys's relationship with a lot of the cities that she's kind of moving through they don't feel legitimate like again like just feel like stepping stones and then when he actually tries to write her like getting involved in this city and in this place he completely gets stuck And like, he's actually like come out and said like, I didn't know what to do. Daenerys and Marine I don't know what to do because she's just stuck there (laughs) because she like wants to actually govern this city and I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this is what happens. That's the consequences. If you want to build a realistic city and have her take over it, she's going to have to be the actual governor of it.
1: (laughs) we're gonna have to get some eagles in here
2: yeah, <laughs> honestly honestly just like flying they even have those they have the dragons like <laughs> it's true and I think that happened in the show they were just like just don't don't even worry about Maureen they're gone they leave it's fine they'll be fine they're not fine but they'll be fine but it's like as opposed to that Tamara Pierce I feel like by giving she also only has one POV with each book at least in the Turtle series I'll get to the Circle of Magic series. Later. Um, she really just centers it on one story and one storyline and builds that one story over a quartet of books. So all of her books, like her series within a universe are quartets. She's had one standalone that was like the end of a huge series. Um, And then she had one, I don't know what the word is when it's just two books, but she had one two book series. And then I don't know how long the one she's working on right now is, but there's two. But basically, like she has this formula of these four books together, and she will tell one character's story over those four books. And sometimes the outside stories will blend in between the books. Sometimes they'll be contained. Sometimes they'll be contained between like inside like half of the book like half of the book is about one story and half of the book is about another story but they're always the overarching arc it's always about one character's development so for Kel it's like her staying true to herself and then having that payoff um while for Alana it's like uh the, the first books it's her kind of transforming to she still t- stays true to her attitude but how she performs and adapts in different situations uh to get to her goal like she has a goal she has like kind of like a prophecy kind of that she has to fulfill i don't know something um, it's been a while since i've read them yeah. but uh she'll change her how she performs and she'll change how she reacts in different communities but um and how she presents herself but she'll always stay true to her values and her morals yeah
1: well and, and having good character I, I guess the only way i can phrase it is like good character Character acting throughout a novel like it really is so important on like selling that character as like a real person and and having you be able to empathize with them and like connect to their struggle um i'm using this as a very shoddy bridge to get over to circle of magic because <laughs> yes that's, that's the
2: thing that, that
1: <laughs> i remember being like i was so immediately invested in like these characters relationships
2: okay yes so tortle world was like pretty good very european and then and also like the magic was pretty basic i will say like a lot of the parts of the world were pretty basic uh, the story the characters were pretty white like they had some other cultures or like other obviously cultures inspired by non-western uh cultures in there but they weren't like handled super well and they were always kind of playing second fiddle the circle of magic series immediately takes place in like kind of a middle eastern asian environment especially like the medieval middle east where there's like a huge amount of cultures interacting you know with different levels of peacefulness it's not like countries that are constantly either allies, are at war it's like everybody's kind of mixing and there's a lot of nomadic cultures and that series has four characters that each do a different kind of magic um it's the same age range i think they mostly start when they are 11 or 12 and it's four characters her first boy point of view and I will say he is a really great one I absolutely adore Briar and basically they all go through an extreme hardship where that's either some of it it's linked to their magic and other times their magic saves them uh, like one of the girls is like in a she's the lone survivor of a shipwreck And because she has this affinity with metal, she can kind of, like, get this, like, safety box that has, like, provisions in it and get it to float over to her and survive on the sea for, like, an extra week and they basically all come together into this peaceful temple that studies magic and they realize that their magic is different from a lot of other types of magic there's like the kind of formal academic kind that's like you know people with spells and runes and scrying bowls and stuff but all of theirs kind of it works through material which when I was a kid I thought it was like so cool because it's all about craftsmanship and all about the objects that they're interacting with like um, so really quickly like Daja which is the one I mentioned she works through metal and through minerals and kind of fire briar works through plants Tris works through like weather magic and electricity and stuff and then Sandry who has my favorite power she works through like needlework and sewing and embroidery and just all things to do with like wool and weaving and stuff which is like it's so cool and I think also like looking back on it I'm like this is a really cool kind of endorsement for the domestic arts and like folk art and artisan Mm. art which I've always been really interested in and I've been always like really dissatisfied with how formal art education really doesn't look at them or has them as like a footnote that's my personal thing but also as (laughs) like when you're like looking at it in a character and you're like oh my god she can like at the end of the first book, they have to like escape a, um, an earthquake and Sandry like literally weaves together their magics. And they like all become like completely connected. And it's so cool. It is, it's just very cool. Uh, I'm doing a horrible job of pitching this book. I'm constantly like jumping <laughs> in between everything, but all four of these kids come together. They live in a cottage, like in this temple and they literally like become a family. So the entire arc of the first five, of the first four books, each book focuses on a different one. It's literally called like Sandry's book, Triss's book, Dodge's book, and Briar's book. They kind of are the starring role of their book book but it's all about like within that starring role you see these different relationships building in between them and they're all all four of them are also completely bonded as like siblings like there's no romance between them uh which i really like because when i was a kid i was worried i was like oh there is a boy are you gonna have like sandry and briar like end up together (laughs) and it's like even like some other characters are like oh the pretty noble and the and the street rats seem very friendly and they're both like we're literally siblings please don't Say that. <laughs> that is very gross. <laughs> like and also we're thirteen. Like <laughs> but yeah and then as the books go on so the first four is all about their convert like their their connections with each other and each one of them has a different like the relationship between uh sandry and daja is completely different from the relationship between like briar and tris or tris and daja and sandry and tris or whatever they all have completely unique relationships with each other between briar and tris tris teaches briar how to read and so for from that point onward they're always the person that they talk about books with like Tris always says like oh yeah I'm glad to go see Briar because we're gonna talk about what books we've read and like Daja and Sandry were like the first two to become really close friends and so they like constantly like are each other's like when it's like oh god I need to talk to someone it's like they go and they talk to Daja the second series of books the first series of books is them all making that connection with each other and the second series of books is about them kind of like they they each have a teacher and they all kind of split up and travel throughout the world. So you're seeing them by themselves, Uh, which I think is, like, really interesting because you get to kind of see Briar outside doing his own thing. But also, like, when they're out doing their own thing, it's really sweet because they're constantly talking about their friends. <laughs> like, it's kind of like when, you know, you have, like, a really close friend group or something and you go to college. um, And you're constantly saying, like, oh, yeah, me and this one friend, we're hanging out one time. Like <laughs> and like you're constantly bringing them up in conversation it's like really satisfying to see that but in book form i think like briar with uh so they each get their own student also in their books he's like with his student and she has like really bad manners and he's like oh you really need to hang out with sandry she'll like teach you how to have good manners (laughs) and she's like who the hell is sandry (laughs) like continuing with the the full so they have two quartets and then they have one final last book And the thing, this last book, I think, I think it might be my favorite, one of my favorite books that Tamra Pierce has written because you have this fan family trope and then you have them all like going out, becoming more independent, discovering themselves. And then at the beginning of the last book, they all come back to the same city that the temple is. And four years have passed. They have barely talked to each other except through letters. And like, they just don't quite connect the way that they used to. Like they talk to each other and they, they fight and they don't know how to like, cause also like in between the two series of books, they also had really bad shit happen to them. Like even in the, in the, cause of course like in the books, they had to go through and have their own conflicts and come up against their own villains. And like something else I'll say about Tamara Pierce, she's really good about showing like terrifying villains and she will usually use, um, um, show how The villains are made from systems or villains are made from different like it won't just be like aha I am some evil person who's come to your town to slay your villagers like it's (laughs) that literally is never what the person is it's always like this is like a serial killer that is like killing people in this very specific way and you have to figure out how to fight them (laughs) or like I think Daja has to deal with like an arsonist and the arsonist ends up being like this really close friend that she had made and she has to like burn him alive (laughs) and then uh in between briar's two books like in between his book and then the last book he's literally like a prisoner of war and has and like goes to war (laughs) and it's like obviously has intense ptsd and he like doesn't want to talk about it and none of them want to talk to each other. And it's so painful because like you as a reader are like, "Ooh, yay, they're all going to hang out together. And it's going to be just like when they were kids. And it's not that way. And it's like completely that book starts on like the biggest bummer. The first like quarter of the book is just like painful, because you're seeing them so desperately try to connect with each other. But also like, One will, like, be trying to connect to them, to the other one, and then some they'll, like, say something, and the person will be like, why the fuck would you say that? You know that gets under my skin. And they're like, well, why would you say that to me earlier? Blah, blah, blah. And you're seeing them, like, completely sabotage their own relationships. And then the whole arc of that book is them getting to that connection again uh, through a really weird long road trip, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very, very well done. And like, it's really well paced throughout the entire book where it's gradual, where like, okay, eventually they can like all have a dinner and it doesn't blow up into a big fight. And then eventually they like, like one of them sits down and is like, okay, I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> You're like, okay, she's starting to trust him again. Like slowly. Baby steps, baby steps of like reconnecting with people.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm actually curious, is there something in particular that especially like you mentioned there's like that sort of first fourth of that book that's difficult because you have these characters who you've grown to love and there's kind of like that almost like secondhand awkwardness happening because you're like oh all of you just need to like communicate for once and we'll <laughs> we'll all be fine but is there something about especially her uh Tamara pierce's writing that like helps not like get you through that rough patch but like makes it still compelling for you
2: yeah she's really good at like balancing character action with plot points so the plot will always be interesting at least like in in some of the books it kind of falters a little bit using uh the empress's cage uh, or the empress's will which is the last book the kind of Thick ninth book that I'm talking about. Also, like, I'm sorry if anyone here is like, ooh, I'd really like to read the Circle of Magic series. Like, this is the last (laughs) book and I'm spoiling everything. But it's still very good. It's still very, very good. (laughs) Um, kind of, she'll, so like I said, like, the storyline always moves the characters into action. And always gives them something to kind of, uh, like always gives them obstacles to kind of act on so that they're never passive and that they're never just in a room talking to each other. Uh, there's always stuff going on that acts as chrysalises. No, that's the wrong one. There's a smarter word. <laughs> they always acts as vessels for them to kind of work through their personal arcs with. So like I said that the, the last book is the storyline of it is that sandry who is um the one who had to kind of stay home while everybody else was off traveling so she's a noble everybody else has like comes from mid to lower like classes briar is like comes from like the slums of the slums and then like Triss is like from a merchant family and then daja is from uh nomadic like traders but the thing is, is that daja also like kind of had everything taken away from her with the shipwreck So Sandry's always kind of been this noble that when they were little and all living together, it was fine because they were just all in this cabin just they were like oh yeah sandry's clothes are just nicer like we don't really care she's sandry but then what happens in this book is that she's like oh and then you guys can all live with me in like the deke's manor and they're like no no no, we're not gonna be your pets like we're not gonna live with you and she's like really hurt she's like i didn't want you guys to be my pets i wanted you to be my roommates like and they're like no 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 we're our own people but she has a cousin who is like an empress of namor which is kind of like fantasy russia like it's this huge powerful um kingdom and her empress like like it is her will that is the title it's the emperor the will of the empress so she's like okay i have to go visit my cousin because i've been putting this off for so long and her uncle is like actually her uncle like comes to like her three friends and he's like hey so i am almost certain that this empress is going to try to kidnap sandry and keep her in <laughs> fantasy russia i cannot send her with a bunch of guards because that is super suspicious However, she does happen to be best friends with the three, like, most powerful mages in the kingdom. So you guys just go with her, and it's acting like you're just her friends. But really, you guys are going to also be her bodyguards. And she's also like, I don't love this, but whatever. (laughs) Um, She's like, I'm also kind of offended. Like, I'm a great mage, just because I do, I happen to be a noble as well. Like, whatever. And so, like, they all go. So they're like, okay, we're all going to go to this court and do all this stuff. So while they're kind of navigating their relationships with each other, they also have like a bunch of political intrigue and like, Sandry legitimately they try to kidnap her at one point and like have, and they meet all these new people and go to this new place and it's like a lot of traveling and extra information and world building but really when the main story is this connection between these four main characters one of like my favorite parts it shows like how well the story kind of moves I think also shows a lot of like the progressive politics that Tamara Pierce had even when this book was published which is like I think it's like 2009 or something is that one of the characters Daja uh she goes to court and she's like hey the dressmaker for the empress is really gorgeous and really beautiful and I think I have a crush on her (laughs) and it's like you're like oh my god Daja's a lesbian (laughs) you're like holy shit we didn't know this the entire time there's no romance in like eight books and now in the ninth book we have like the only romance is a lesbian romance and then when they like all kind of find out that she's (laughs) dating this like a really funny scene when they all find out because i think they're like they all have these like shared rooms and one of them just like busts into a room they're like hey daja and then like both of them are there like trying to put on their clothes and everyone's just like uh uh, what do we do this is like walking in on your sister like i don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) Um, and literally all of them are like totally cool with it they're like eh whatever you like like girls whatever Like, because also, like, the, uh, a nice thing that she did with kind of opposing the tortoise universe, like, a nice thing that Tamara Pierce did with the Circle of Magic series is that a lot of the cultures don't have the same misogyny built into them of like uh institutionalized racism or institutionalized misogyny or institutionalized homophobia. Like I think even one of the characters is just like, yeah, like where I grew up, it was literally just as common for people to be gay as it was for them to be straight. So I don't really care. And it's just like a really, really refreshing take on fantasy, especially at the time Even now, it's a really refreshing take to have in fantasy.
0: (laughs) There's certainly still now a trend in fantasy of kind of what I would describe as copying some of the mistakes of the past, the kind of narrow vision of what you could and could not do in fantasy stories. And it is always nice to see people who say, I don't see a wall there that's stopping me from doing this different thing um, and exploring this other avenue of of what I can do with these characters in this world.
2: Yeah. And I think I'm really excited because there's like a new trend of, I don't know, maybe it's not a good name for it, but I've been like in my head calling it like aspirational fantasy or aspirational mm. speculative fiction, where a lot of times people who are they themselves like kind of marginalized writers or come from a marginalized perspective writing a society where they're like you know what I, like they, it just racism does not exist in this society like I'm gonna write one where like we never made this mistake or like gender doesn't really exist in this society or at least not the way that we think about it which I think is like really refreshing and interesting and also like a really interesting thing to watch for as because it's very very new in fantasy as we have these like new writers uh, coming onto the scene but you know like bisexual people being like I'm just gonna write like a bisexual lead and they like have sex with who they want because i as a child wanted to have or like i as an adult too like want to read these types of relationships and like want to kind of see myself in this character where i don't have to have this like little voice in the back of my head like but be careful don't hold hands in public like like just not having that be an issue
1: well and i think too like you see so many people use fantasy as a way to just be like and now we're also going to have fantasy racism and it's like cool like you could not and but you've also i think now we're seeing a lot more people saying like you can still have conflict in your novels you can still have very compelling stories you can just also not have fantasy racism or fantasy homophobia like you can just not do that because we we have a lot of that already in the real world, and mm-hmm. and not to say like you can ignore the fact that it exists, but like people are able to do I think things that are a lot more interesting and a lot more groundbreaking. Because I remember reading The Empress's Will, and when that moment happened, when you kind of realized that Daja's a lesbian, I mean, I was still pretty young, and that was probably one of the first lesbian like relationships I had ever read in a novel. Oh yeah, and same. I was just yeah. like all oh, tight, mm-hmm. like I was like there nothing about it registered as like weird or wrong or anything like that it was because in the novel it's just handed like oh okay cool you like girls all right like that's it
0: it seems like fantasy as a whole has a pretty big problem if you're going to start judging every bit of world building on on the basis of whether or not it works in the real world because i hate to break it to you guys but magic isn't real
2: so (laughs) oh shit What? (laughs) What? what how did he pull that coin from my ear then <laughs> how the hell did that happen huh <laughs> I,
1: I actually do have a, a question in regards to magic because um you mentioned in comparison of the two series that the turtle series has a little more traditional view of magic and then the circle of magic series kind of treats it differently and you and you touched on that a little bit but like could you maybe like expand on like how it sort of treats and understands magic in in its universe
2: yeah so i think i think the main problem with turtle portal's magic is that it's just very non-specific that's kind of one of the big ways to you know free writing tip for anyone if you want to make a story better anything in a story better make it specific because it's very counterintuitive but you can relate to something a lot more if it's specific like if you know two people are friends that's great if you know that every other weekend they would have a sleepover and they would always watch like a Lindsay Lohan movie and eat a bunch of skittles that friendship is automatically a lot more real it's this really interesting kind of way to make your writing better and so the magic in tortle is like everybody kind of it's like auras kind of use power and you can either heal or shoot blasts at people like i can't even describe it well because i do (laughs) not remember it well enough she doesn't really even at least in the first book like alana has magic and she can use it to heal people but it's literally just she like waves her hands over them and she has like this blue light and then it's, oh, and now hers is purple and she can heal people. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's great. Um, kind of in the second book, the magic is, or in the second series, which I haven't talked about at all. But for a lot of people, it's their favorite series because it like has a lot to do with animals. But it's like this girl that can talk to animals and kind of even shapeshift into animals eventually. And her magic is like different, but it's still pretty non-specific. As opposed to, actually, when uh, Tamara Pierce was first thinking about writing this new series, uh, I know this because she had it as like a special at the back of the book and I was reading it, where she she gets a lot of inspiration from the women in her family. She's talked about this a lot, like her older sister, or no, her, her younger sister, she literally like based Alana off of her. But she was hanging out with her mother and her sister and they were both crocheting. And they were having a conversation and talking about things. And as they were talking, these like amazing blankets and socks and scarves were just like appearing in their laps without any effort at all. And Tamara was literally like, this is magic. Like the fact that they can just create this out of a bunch of stuff from a sheep that they can also like uh spin wool. Like that's, that's magic. And so she was like, okay, I want to find a way to actually make that magic. The thing that I love about the Circle of Magic series, I I haven't found a good way to sum this up, but, like, she does this a lot in the Circle of Magic series where she literally teaches you about things. Like, I know so much more about metal alloys because as Daja is learning them, she will, like, you will live in that lesson that Daja is having like like the the teacher will be teaching her, and you will also be learning about metal alloys. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or like I know so much more about like what kind of pot a specific type of plant needs because of like lessons that Briar would have, or like how how um what's it called quarantines work because of these of these books. And it's because she never half-asses anything. You can tell so much research goes into these books. And she's talked to glassblowers. She's talked to a meteorologist. She's talked to, like, smithies. So many people to make the world that she's showing to adapt it well. Even if she's making it something completely specific. Because, of course, there's not, like, you can't talk to a series of vines in someone's garden and hear something from a million miles away. Like, that's not real, but it's, like, because she knows so much about plants and she lets you know so much about plants. Like, it it makes a really nice balance. And I just, mm-hmm. I really liked that extra mile that she went. She walks the line, I think, a lot of times of info dumping, uh, which is always like the dreaded word in writing, especially for <laughs> fancy yeah. fantasy. Like while I was, uh, I just, I just finished an internship for, uh, like at a literary agency and I was reading a lot of submissions, particularly because the agent I was interning for works in a lot of contemporary fantasy, YA, teen and adult. Um, so, so many people would submit mm-hmm. fantasy to her. Um, her, cause her most prominent uh, client was a fantasy author. So I would have to read so many, like, mediocre fantasies. And a lot of times the main thing I'd be is like, I spent so long. Like I read 50 pages of this book and literally they spent like the first 40 pages explaining how this city is planned out. Like, <laughs> like I did not need to know so much. I won't even get 40 pages in. If there's like three pages and I'm like, I know everything about the economics of this world and I don't know anything about the main fucking character. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it down and I'm sending a rejection. Like, you know, I think that she does a really good job of walking that line. And like I said, balancing action in the plot. And also balancing like character development.
0: Yeah. So I actually have a related question for you. As I'm listening to you talk about this, you have revisited these books, correctly correct, as an adult. Like you've continued to keep up with them, and this is this is not something that like you read that many years ago and you never went back to, right?
2: Yeah. I Um, I read. I listened to the audiobooks basically like sophomore and junior year of college like I spent that entire time just like listening to the Circle of Magic books and uh, also I also Alana and Protector of the Small I haven't revisited the Immortals series which is the second one I always feel because also there's a lot of like wolf girls and dragon girls out there that's like mm. why the fuck would you not revisit the Immortals series <laughs> <laughs> I'm like just not my scene yeah so I, I did in college I really want to again
0: so the sort of offshoot of that question is what do you think makes you revisit them, which is sort of linked to the question of why was this the topic that you chose? Like, what is so influential aside from just enjoying them? Like, because I mean, we have talked a little bit more about the structure of the stories than their content, which I mean, is sort of understandable in a podcast form, you might not want to just describe the entire book to us. But I'll um, just read um,
2: them. I'll just pull (laughs) one out. And I'll be like, I can't actually I can I can (laughs) I can recite the Harry Potter books from memory. I cannot recite the (laughs) Tamar Pierce books from memory.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just curious, about um you know how that that part of it is figured into your life like do you think that that's been influential in terms of your other interests of of being interested in an analytical of the way that she structures her writing
2: yeah so i totally i have so much respect for how she constructs a book and i think like a lot of times I, you know, as someone who's interested in, I'm kind of interested in like writing myself, but I mostly love editing and I mostly love um Like working on developmental parts of, of books. And I like, like unpacking what makes a book good. I always, I think that her, she has a formula that she has made work for her so intensely well, where I'm going to really quickly, I'm going to break down the formula of her books. So shout out to all you guys that really love plotting talk. Um,
0: Everybody's taking notes frantically for their
2: novels. Oh no, don't listen to me. Please get an agent yourself. Um, So basically what Tamara Pierce and I I like watched an interview with her where she was like really like she was like oh yeah my friends always talk to me about like how I always have the same like kind of arc in my books so she'll introduce you to the characters and to the world and each character or or let's let's go to tortle because it's a bit more simple because there's only one character per series she'll introduce you to the character and kind of to the Big thing that they're working against, uh, the institutionalized thing that they're working against. Uh, for example, for Cal, it is that she wants to be out as a woman in, uh, basically like a man's world and a man's society, um, and a society built around the patriarchy. So you'll get introduced to that and you'll have an adjustment period. There might be some minor conflicts within that, usually kind of small. For Cal, it's like her fighting against her bullies, things that kind of are very kind of small scale, but also within that, you are introduced to a much smaller background conflict. So for example, for Kel is that it's like, Oh yeah, you know, we need to have a lot of knights because we just had this big war from the other series that happened. Uh, so we don't have that many right knights and some of the other countries around us have been getting thinking that we're weak because we just had this huge hit. So they're like, okay, but we can't, we can't turn away any knights. So we need to have Kel. And so that's kind of introduced at the very, very beginning, but it's not really on the radar at all. Then after we have the adjustment period, we start getting into a routine. And the routine is like really comfortable to read too, especially in some of them where it's like a lot of times it'll take the form of school or classes. So you're like actively learning something. If you're with Cal, then you're learning how to joust. You're learning how to sword fight. You're going through actual classes and you're seeing how she reacts to it, how her friends react to it and like... Like the other characters. And then you'll kind of have like small little arcs within that. But then around halfway through the book, the thing that's been off of your radar kind of starts to build up and it starts to build up and build up. It's literally like the second half of the book will go into it and it'll build up this tension until every single part of the book is working into this one conflict. And it'll reach this peak where then literally all hell breaks loose. It's completely, even if it's on a really small scale, It will completely take over every single character that you know, every single thing that you've gotten used to in the routine will then pay off into this one big moment. In some of her books, it's a literal war. In like other books, it's like, oh, we went camping and there's bandits attacking us. Like, (laughs) but it's still like the tension is the same because she's really good at scaling it. Um, but she was like joking, she's like, Yeah, my friends call it the Tammy juggernaut. We're just like (laughs) (laughs) literally, like she does not play any punches during this climax and you know she doesn't uh, another thing i like is that she doesn't rely on having there be like a a character death or anything Mm -hmm. like that's not like the thing that makes it real is that like Timmy this guy we've gotten to know the entire time oh he's dead on the stairs like like that will happen but it's like like at least for me it's not never the thing that affects me the most the thing that affects me the most is that I'm like oh my god we have all this tension and like the reason I keep revisiting it is because it literally like sets off a series of switches in my brain so when I now when I start a book like if I start Willow the Empress the one at the end of the the Circle of Magic series I will be like oh my god i can't wait to see them become friends again but also i can't wait to see like that scene where sandy like there's those guys that like ambush them and they're like "Ooh, we're gonna marry this noble woman and then she like makes all of their clothes like fall off and then strangle them and you're just like oh she's so cool during that scene so it's like it's literally like it's pavlovian almost with some of these books because i've also read them so many times do
1: you feel like that's affected how you edit or or even write in a way like like having those touchstones that you are really drawn to like does that affect how you read oh definitely
2: how i read yeah she set the bar really high really early in my life for good female characters (laughs) where now if i just like i'll get this a lot of times like maybe this is too specific but like low fantasy that came out like in the 2000s so things like um what's that one with like nicholas flamel i think it's like the alchemist Alchemist. or oh yeah or they're like fine books uh uh of course, like I'm blanking now. Some of Neil Gaiman's books also kind of do this sometimes, where I'm like, this, this mm-hmm. character is fine, but it's literally like there's nothing about her that defines her as a girl. Like it's just that she happens to be a girl which is fine that's good sometimes except i don't like it when it's like oh she's a girl she's a girl she's a girl oh now there's a love interest so now she's really a girl (laughs) if that Mm -hmm. maybe i'm speaking nonsense but it's like it's completely shoved to the side until you have to have a love interest where it's like uh, seeing a different portrayal of femininity or different portrayal of womanhood through a lot of Tamara pierce's works also there wasn't just one girl like all of her protagonists are incredibly different from each other even just like in the Circle of Magic series, the difference between Daja, Triss, and Sandry is like unbelievable. You would never be able to say like, "Oh yeah, they three are a group," and then bryo is another guy. Like it's it's never like that. They're all completely separate.
0: I was wondering whether or not this is um. You know these relationships especially with this the second series where there's kind of these close friendships like do you see any of your own friendships and their relationships has it helped you process any of your interactions with other people to, to have this this sort of fantasy I mean not template but like a different expression of different points of view that may intersect with yours
2: oh no definitely I think like so something I really loved in uh the circle of magic series is that uh one of the care I was legitimately just talking about this with some of my co- because we were talking about how even in modern YA, if a character, if you, in, in fantasy in general, if a character is fat, there is a negative attribute to them. Harry Potter is really, really bad about this. Um, or it's like a joke, or it's something that's constantly brought up. Or you have something else, which is not it's not exactly negative, but it's something like dumpling, where the character being fat is the main crux of the show or of the of the book, where it's like a big point of their character that they work around and that the the story kind of revolves around, and a lot of their identity is tied to. Uh, this is a podcast, so people that do not know me IRL, I am fat, and I and I've been fat my entire life. So me as a child reading these two different interpretations, I was like, does this have to be like who I am? Like, is this my entire identity? Because I was used to it already, like being hyper aware of thinking like, oh, this is the first thing people think when they look at me. Um, it would be the first thing that J.K. Rowling would think when she looks at me. Uh, or I don't know. I don't know what she thinks. Uh. But it's as opposed to that, when I read the Circle of Magic series, the character Triss, you never know through, like, other people that much. But she has a lot of insecurities over her weight. And mm-hmm. she has a lot. It, it, like, kind of works itself into the story in really um, natural ways. Like, when she's bullied, it's one of the first things that someone talks to her about. She's really bad tempered and she pushes people away. So she'll be like, Oh, you're just taking pity on like the fat redheaded girl with glasses, like blah, 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 blah. And she'll like, she'll always rather read than talk to a human being. And she's had like, like her whole thing is that she's basically her family like passed her around from like family member to family member to family member because nobody wanted to take care of her. And her magic always kind of made that more difficult. And she was always worried that she was going crazy and that she's been this problem and that she's never been profitable because like, she's like, I come from a merchant family. We just care about like profit and and having things be useful. I'm not useful. I'm just like a problem. So when she she kind of meets these other kids, she's like, oh, you're just taking pity on me. I don't want to be your friend. And they're like, just fucking chill out. Like, whatever. We live together. Just like, (laughs) we'll figure it out. And also, we don't care. Like, this girl's just lost her entire family. This guy's, like, been in prison. We really, it's really the lowest thing on our list right now is the fact that you're, like, a little overweight. And it's just, like, really, it's a really lovely arc to see as, like, a young fat girl. Also, like, I don't relate to Tristan any other way I read a lot of books too but I like Always loved being around people, and I was like really, really hyper friendly. I always wanted to make friends with people, so I always like related a lot more to Sandry. But seeing how kind of a fat character is portrayed in that way was just like very lovely. And I think it's still a huge gap. Actually, I, I did just my boss did just give me an arc for a book today that she was like, "Oh, this is like a really good middle grade book where the character happens to be overweight, but it's actually about like her parents' divorce. Like it's not about that. Um, I think it's by the same writer as Dumpling. So,
1: anyways. <laughs> so I'm going to ask like kind of the question that we sort of give everyone to, to sort of near things to wrap up, which is, and granted, the whole show is sort of a pitch of, of the thing you love in, in some ways. But if you had to give someone like the elevator pitch for reading any of these novels, you could either pick her work as a whole, you could pick a certain series of novels, it's up to you. But if you had to be like, hey, this is why you should read them, what would your, your sort of quick pitch of them be?
2: Okay, this is technically my job so I'm gonna be like oh, extra pressure. <laughs> so I'm just gonna pick the Circle of Magic series. If you at all love fantasy and if you love seeing unorthodox takes on fantasy, this is a series of books that will uh, do the found family trope extremely right and extremely consistently and realistically throughout the whole books. It doesn't just play it as a card and then kind of just leave it like as like being like, oh and now they're completely bonded for life together like it really puts in the work to build these character relationships while also taking you through a genuinely new world and a uh, a series of stories that are nuanced and completely believable both in the world that it gives you and also in everyday life was that good? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that
1: was, that was good. good. No, that was absolutely yeah. good. I didn't say yeah. anything
2: about the books themselves. I'm like, just read the back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's a that's a compelling pitch. Thank you. Please read. Oh, also. If you don't want to read them, if you're more of an audio person, the Circle of Magic series, not the Tortle series, but the Circle of Magic series, had full cast audio recordings and have actual legitimate actors playing, like voice actors, playing all of the characters as Tamara Pierce narrates. And it is wow. so good. And it really, really brings the story to light. Like the first time I, I quote unquote read Sandry's book, which is the first one, I listened to it on audio. And it's still one of my favorite audiobooks of all time up there with like Golden Compass, which is a another full cast audio so if you're more of a listener replace podcasts (laughs) for like not this one still listen to this one but maybe take a few weeks off of one of your podcasts and just just listen to this book it's a lot faster than you think it is they're very short still because they're they're YA and just let it wash over you. It's very good. There's also a very <laughs> yes. cute dog. A really cute dog.
0: And do you have any other... Well, uh... so we we usually have a surprise hypothetical or I have a surprise hypothetical question. Yeah. And it's not a surprise because I already asked you when we recorded this the first time. <laughs> I'll
2: act surprised. I'll but gasp. I,
0: I like the answer enough that I think that it should not be lost to the hungry maw uh, of time where audio goes. So the question is is this. If you could somehow magically be transported to one of the worlds that she has written which one would you pick where would you go and what would you do
2: okay oh, i've never heard this question before oh my god <laughs> you can tell i was an actress for one summer camp when i was a child <laughs> um, so i think I, I might have to repeat what i what i said last time which is the um circle of magic and i would Go to the winding circle temple and go to the cottage where these four kids live because it legitimately just seems like the loveliest peaceful cottage they like all do chores together there's like a roof on top where they all watch clouds and just lay down and chill out together i think like last time i said like when i was little i would draw fan art of me hanging out with the four kids on the roof of discipline cottage and it's like an absolute like aspirational dream for me i don't know that's what i would do when i was a child i don't think i would do that as an adult because now i'd be like an adult (laughs) hanging out with a bunch of 12 year olds as an adult i would probably go to um actually you know what honestly I would go to the the court of the empress in the last book because the way that it's described is like so beautiful and decadent and intense and like complex like this very complex social situation that i feel like i would actually really love like if i was in a fantasy novel i would love to be like a member of the court and like involved in intrigue i'd be one of like the giggling (laughs) ladies in the back who's also secretly plotting to like kill someone (laughs) so and also like she has like beautiful orchid gardens and stuff so i'd probably be that i'd be one of the empress's many lovers that's would be, yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> that's, that's such a wild turn, but yeah. I, I love it. Like the the contrast is lovely.
2: I would love to do that when I was a twelve year old, but I'm like, I'm a woman now. I'm an adult. i to have adult tastes.
0: I want to murder someone. <laughs> now I'm a little worried about what happened between the two recordings that you went from childhood to murder. It's time to fucking grow up and kill a guy.
2: Like, come yeah. on, come on.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much again. Yes, thank you yes. coming on and. In- sharing this with us yet again it was just as lovely the second time around
2: <laughs> thank you legitimately thank you so much for like podcast uh, audience of of millions possibly billions I will say that these two have been so kind in letting me re-record after the first one was was ruined by a blund, by a blunder, and we have, I believe, three distinct ways of recording right now. Yeah, yes.
1: we're gonna be good.
2: Yeah, if for any reason you aren't getting this podcast, one or all three of us have died, <laughs> <laughs> and I will be accepting gifts of your um of your your sorrow. So just <laughs> send them to my PayPal. Uh,
1: where can people find you um, online? Or if there's anything you want to plug, uh, this is your space, so go for it.
2: Okay, well, I, I don't have as much to plug as I would usually do because I haven't really been doing comics or anything since I've been uh, living in New York and trying to work on getting a capital J job. If you ever want, if you're in a New York and if you ever want a good YA or children's book, come into Books of Wonder where I work and I will recommend you not Tamara Pierce because we don't have Tamara Pierce right now we have like two of (laughs) her books and I've been putting it on the reorder list but I'll give you like Warriors cats or something but then also I do freelance editing so um and I would love to I've been doing developmental help I've also I can like actually edit if you have like actual words written I can help with that or if you just need to figure out how to like structure your story or you're stuck on something I've been helping a lot of different people on different stages of their projects uh including things like Graphic novel pitches book pitches if you ever want to give a pitch to an agent i have seen a lot of different uh queries to agents so if you ever need help with that i can definitely help but yeah and uh just talk to me about books um or comics and um or you know disney pixar's cars like any of those it's oh so and my twitter good. is at church yes. of fear that's how you find my edit at the, my pin tweet i think is for uh editorial work or just um lean out of your window and yell paloma like really loudly and there is a chance that i'll hear you
1: <laughs> it'll travel on the wind to <laughs> to its intended destination
2: come find me find me in the future
1: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much again this was a blast
2: <laughs> thank you <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can hit us up there or at our email, GuiltyTreasuresCast at gmail.com
0: or send us a message via Magic Plant. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend or weave your own magical fantasy story about the joy of podcasts. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy.